And now to the latest on the coronavirus. The United States is reporting the highest number of deaths in a single day. Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans into yeah, virtual. He has said uh, before this point that we are on the brink of shutting down again. He on doubled average, down on that. more than 4,700 people are dying around the world from COVID-19 linked illnesses every 24 hours. From January 1st, 2020, the Daily News read like an over-the-top disaster movie script. One an agent might describe as outlandish and not very realistic, but a page-turner nonetheless. So how did a year that was more outlandish than any movie affect the industry that makes them? My name is Ana Sierra, and for the past decade, I have worked as an assistant director in the film industry and a production coordinator in the commercial world. I am currently a COVID coordinator, working with the second biggest production studio in the U.S. In this podcast, I'll take you through everything from the obvious to the intricate to help document how one of the most historic years in U.S. history completely reshaped the way we tell stories. So you're a producer, and you've got this great script, some awesome crew members, talented cast, and the funds to back it all up. You're ready to hear the first AD shout, roll sound, and make this thing happen. But there's still a few things you need to do first. And two of the most important parts of pre-production never even cross the mind of the average crew member. Insurance and permits. Before March of 2020, there was a pretty standard type of production insurance offered for filmmakers. The main caveat was the budget of your film, with adjustments for higher-risk things like stunts or expensive and or historical locations. Then suddenly, the production world changed, and the biggest question on every producer's mind was, is my insurance going to cover COVID? And that question doesn't just pertain to medical expenses if someone were to get sick due to COVID on your set. It was also up in the air of whether things like production pauses due to outbreak or a key member of talent falling ill would be covered too. The costs of pausing a production, paying cast and crew members in quarantine, rescheduling every rental, every location, every actor, and then the costs of starting everything back up again once the coast is clear. Now, I'll admit right up front, I'm not a producer or an insurance broker. As a production coordinator, I've dealt with production insurance some, but I in no way have any clout to dive too deep into this subject without help. Fortunately, Front Row Insurance Broker's Vice President, Mike Groner, was willing to hop on the phone and chat with me about how COVID had an impact on his business, Insuring Hollywood. So, Mike, what is it exactly that you do? So, I'm an insurance broker for the film and entertainment industry, and I have been for the past 18 years. I am duly licensed in all U.S. states, as well as all of Western Canada. And I am a broker, so I want to point that out. I work for the filmmakers and the producers. I do not work for the insurance company. Can you go over just the basic requirements for a production to get approved for insurance before the pandemic? What kinds of things used to have the biggest effect on what kind of insurance they qualify for? Sure. So all insurance premiums or the cost for the insurance policy is based on a rate 
per hundred dollars of the production budget. So the budget's going to be the most important factor in determining what the insurance is going to cost the producer. And then they take into account location, stunts, other hazards, who the actors are, their ages, um, if the film is bonded, if there's any other unusual requirements based on where they're filming and how they're filming and obviously the length of what they're filming. So there's a, a bunch of different factors, but ultimately those factors determine the rate against the costs of the budget. And how has the pandemic changed that? The long and short of it is after March of 2020, when the pandemic hit, all of the film insurance companies were vulnerable and most of them, if not all of them, were hit with significant number of claims for COVID-related losses because they didn't have protection against that. So the immediate reaction for the insurance companies was in order to continue writing more business, they had to add on COVID and communicable disease exclusions because they couldn't uh, insure a house that was already on fire. So the overall process of obtaining the insurance really didn't change at all after the pandemic hit because they had these exclusions added. To what extent does production insurance actually cover COVID-related aspects of production? Uh, at, at this point, they don't cover them at all. So any insurance company who's providing insurance for film or TV will have a COVID and a full communicable disease exposure. I don't see any near future where we don't see those types of exclusions included. You know, I, I'm surprised something like that wasn't added to policies back when we had SARS. But fortunately for the filmmaking community, they weren't added. And, you know, the film industry caught on late to those types of exclusions because they do exist outside of the film industry. It's not new to have those types of exclusions put on a policy. Can you describe the challenges insurance providers faced in returning to work? Uh, well, initially when the pandemic hit, they, they stopped writing any new projects for a short period of time until they were able to add on those exclusions. In Canada, it's a lot easier to add an exclusion on because there's not as much of a bureaucracy around insurance. So we started seeing the Canadian insurance companies writing business right away, but with the exclusions added. In the U.S., most states required that those exclusions were filed and approved by each of the individual state insurance departments. So that was a much slower rollout. So we had insurance companies in the U.S. offering film insurance, but they would just exclude any of the types of coverage that would have previously covered COVID-related loss. So basically, you were, you were getting half of a policy. But at this point, all of the insurance companies have had their state-filed exclusions added, so they're all pretty much writing film as if it were pre-pandemic. Um, I, I do want to point out that the insurance companies saw billions and billions of dollars in losses from the film industry, and even more so in the, in the theater industry, uh, live events and live theater. So we have seen a very sharp uptick in the cost of insurance premiums for films, anywhere between 30 and 50%. So a filmmaker who is doing the same budget project this year will pay 30 to 50% more in insurance costs than they did a year ago, and they're not covered for COVID. In our seven offices, we had somewhere around 45 COVID-related production shutdown claims, 
And at that time in March 2020, all of those COVID shutdown claims were due to what's called a civil authority, where the governments came in and said, okay, you can't have any gatherings of 20 or more, and then it was 10 or more. And in order for a production to, to work, they have to gather 50 to 100 people at a location at any time. Essentially, the government shut down the film industry for a period of time. And that's what triggered what's called a civil authority loss. So the insurance companies came in and they would cover the additional costs that the production would incur in order to hold, then to restart, reshoot. Um, so you can imagine those costs are pretty heavy. Can you speak about waivers at all? A lot of lower budget productions try to have their cast and crew sign documents that waive any responsibility the production has if a person gets COVID. Do you have any thoughts on this from an insurance perspective? I can say that a waiver does not have any effect on, on insurance. Um, you know, a waiver is not going to stop someone from suing. And ultimately, you know, the liability coverage that a production would have would cover claims and lawsuits against them. I will say that workers' compensation doesn't exclude COVID. However, it's, it's pretty difficult to prove that you got COVID on a film set. You know, how do you prove you didn't get it at the Starbucks on the way to the film set or at the hotel or at the bar on the weekend. So we haven't really seen a lot of workers' compensation claims come in. However, there is no exclusion if you can prove and it is determined that production was negligent in you getting COVID. So, you know, having employees sign waivers, they should already have workers' compensation anyways. So I don't know that the waiver really does, does much. Do you have any recommendations on what you like to see when a production applies for insurance in the COVID-era film industry? Uh, I mean, all of the insurance companies, when we submit a new project, will ask for the, the COVID safety plan. But in, in general, I think the film industry has done a really incredible job of creating a safe working environment with respect to COVID. I mean, all films are required to have a safety plan. And because there's so many different requirements being put on the filmmakers, being imposed by you know, the unions, the governments, or local municipalities... Um, you know, they're sort of being forced to aggregate all of these various protocols and put together their own version of that, but they have to take on all of the requirements of all these different people telling them what they have to do from a safety standpoint. So it does turn out to be a very effective and safe working environment. I mean, you're always going to have a film that has a, a shutdown, but, you know, they're, they're filming in pods, they're separating their first and second and third units, they're not interacting so I think they're doing a very, very good job at that. There is insurance out there for COVID, and it, it is very expensive. It's about 10% of the limit that you're insuring against. So, for example, if you wanted to get a million dollars worth of COVID coverage right now, it would cost you $100,000. You know, we're only really seeing the larger productions purchase that. Uh, so a smaller independent film or, you know, even a TV movie of the week won't really be able to afford that type of cost in their fixed budget. So really the only way to absorb, you know, a small COVID loss is, is really to have a contingency in the budget and contingency in the schedule that allows the whole days if needed. The other priority before you begin parking grip trucks and talent trailers all over the neighborhood is to secure film specific permits for your locations of choice. 
Here in Los Angeles, step one to getting a permit is to visit FilmLA.com and utilize their intuitive and easy-to-use online permit system. FilmLA is a not-for-profit public benefit organization and the official film office of the city and county of Los Angeles. According to their website, their mission is to streamline and enhance the on-location filmmaking process for communities and content creators to ensure the greater Los Angeles economy continues to thrive. And that's just what they did when the pandemic hit. Obviously, they experienced a period of shutdown along with the rest of us, but they used that time to make sure they could come back as soon as possible with an equally streamlined and user-friendly way to obtain permits in the new COVID era. That's not to say there weren't some major changes in the requirements to be approved for a permit in LA though. Paul Audley is the president of Film LA, and he recently took the time to sit down and tell me more about how the pandemic changed their business. Can you go over the process and the main requirements to apply for a permit before the pandemic? So film permits are pretty much standard throughout our region. And so you would go on to Film LA's site, you would um, go into what's called ops, fill out your application. Uh, you can do that across multiple jurisdiction lines. The requirements that you have are certain levels of insurance, depending on the city or the school district that you're in, that would have to be proved. Um, and then it goes through a process uh, where at the end, a payment is received for any city fees and the application fee and your permit is released. It's really a pretty seamless and easy process. Now with COVID, what additional documents or other requirements must be provided to receive a filming permit in L.A.? So during the COVID era, the public health department added requirements to the film permit. And the only actual document that has to be added is Appendix J from the county health department um, is added to the permit and the permittee has to agree to abide by those public health conditions. And they now have to add what's called the COVID compliance officer or person who's responsible for making sure that Appendix J is followed. Um, that's simple but Appendix J and the arrangements agreed to between the unions and guilds and the studios and producers means that uh, production has to take a much bigger footprint because of how far spread out everyone has to be. Um, logistically, it's gotten a lot more expensive. For example, a simple one, you used to be able to transport 15 people in a van. That same van now can only put three people in it. So you can imagine time expense and logistics have increased substantially uh, versus the permit process itself, which is still pretty easy. Can you talk a little bit more about the Appendix J? Yeah, so Appendix J is available on our website or public health department, but it is the document created by the health department to guide how filming has to take place. And that includes everyone must be tested prior to shooting that they have to be screened every day. And depending on how long they may have to be retested, it requires social distancing on set. It requires social distancing while eating. So unlike a restaurant where you could sit at a table um, at a film set, you have to maintain a six foot distance even while eating. It sets up criteria for um, how many people can be in a certain space at a certain time and limits the size of cast and crew. Uh, and so it has a whole series of restrictions designed to keep both cast and crew and the public safe while filming takes place. What was the process of reopening like after the initial shutdown? So when the public health department allowed us to resume permitting, it was open to everyone. However, not everyone came back. 
um, at that point, the unions and guilds and studios and, and the MPTP had not come to agreement on how to resume production, but independent production and commercials came back immediately. And so for almost all of last summer, the only production we were seeing was pretty much commercials and small independent production. Then as those other groups came to agreement in September, we started to see everybody come back um, with television and some feature level film. Um, peaking in October. And then, of course, people got irresponsible over Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And we had a huge um, spike in COVID and everything shut down pretty much again for January. We're now just beginning to recover back. What were the biggest concerns Film LA had about issuing permits during COVID? So during COVID, the biggest concern we prepped for was public response. Um, we knew that people would be very fearful about filming returning as they were fearful about everything, especially if you'll recall, you know, back uh, June, it was, it was growing, it was fearful with people didn't know a lot. And so we put a lot of um, public relations effort up front to explain how safe it would be for the film industry to be out there. We've continued to gather data. Um, and the truth is that the film industry has not had any major outbreaks on its sets. It's had small cases, it's responded immediately and really contained it very, very well. The thing we didn't anticipate was that people would respond to the film industry's presence as um, a thing of saying, if they can, why can't I? And so that was something we really had to um, sort of quickly respond to, uh, be able to answer. And we've done that, I think, successfully as well. What are things you like to see from productions when they're applying for a permit during COVID? Are there any absolute no's that a production should avoid doing? Well, the absolute no is if, if they're trying to do a very large crowd in a very small space, we cannot get approvals from the various agencies that have to approve. So that's pretty much a no and will continue to be for a while, I think. Other than that, we're working through pretty much everything. What we like to see is them being really well prepared for working in the COVID environment so it doesn't delay the process. So having all their plans in place, having them ready to go um, and being eligible to get in the system as a result uh, is very, very helpful. But there's no absolute no except for that compact group of people without masks is just not gonna happen. Why do you think LA County holds itself to a higher standard than the surrounding counties when it comes to permitting? Um, various places have had different levels of COVID, which allows them to do things at different levels. So in California, everybody's under the state guidelines. And as you know, we were in a purple tier and maybe Orange County or Riverside were red or orange. And so they were able to do more than we could. Uh, but um, LA County has some very high uh, specific standards based for the film industry, which have been very, very effective. Um, and unlike a lot of other places, because you're already here uh, in the county, you don't have to quarantine. And that was one of the things we saw for a lot of the film industry when they tried to leave. They found out that they'd be quarantined for two weeks when they got there, which meant housing everybody, not being able to work, and that added to cost. So it's sort of been a balancing act for everybody, um, a real challenge to figure out how to work in this very unusual environment. Do you have any thoughts on the future of the film industry as the pandemic, hopefully, winds down in the coming months? Well, we're very pleased to see uh, the work come back. We know that uh, the, the entertainment industry is the third largest economic driver for our region. 
And so we're really pleased to see them coming back. We're absolutely pleased that they have not had any major um, issues around COVID. They've not been super spreader events. Uh, and the hope is that as more and more people get vaccinated, we get back to normal levels. You know, currently, as of right now, we're at about 60% of normal. Uh, but, you know, fingers crossed that everybody gets their vaccinations, things go well over the summer, uh, and that we're back to normal uh, at some point before fall comes. It's been a long road of change over the past year, not only for each department on a film set, but for the companies that surround and support a production. From gear rentals to prop houses to catering companies to studio greensmen, the production shutdown in March of last year brought so many livelihoods to a screeching halt. It's actually amazing when you realize how many seemingly unrelated businesses rely on the film industry, and how deeply integrated production is within the economy of Los Angeles. But the real story is in the way some of these companies were able to adapt so quickly and effectively, while still keeping the safety of their employees their highest priority. I remember last year when so many people were arguing about what was worse, a health pandemic or an economic crisis. And I remember those who stood up during those times and said, it's not a question of whether we should save the economy or if we should save lives. The question is, how do we do both? It seems the Los Angeles film industry successfully did both. 